MSW Media. Hi, this is Dan Aykroyd with Crystal Head Vodka, and I want to promote right now one of the great knowledge, minds, intelligences in the world of beverage consumption. Dan Dunn and what we're drinking, congratulations on the success and breadth of your influence. a glass, sit for a spill, it's time to have some fun, let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking, but this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Dan Dunn, and boy, am I excited. Coming up in just a few minutes, I'm going to be chatting with the great, the legendary, the man himself, Dan Aykroyd. That's right. Dan joined us a few years ago. Feels like forever. I'm thrilled to have him back. He's he's one of my heroes. And not only is he a legend in the entertainment world, he's also a legend in the booze world. He's got Crystal Head Vodka. He's had that for a long time. One of the very, very first celebrities to get into the drinks game. And we're going to talk to him about that. So, get ready. But first, you know, for the bulk of my career, I wrote about adult beverages for a variety of magazines and newspapers. Maybe some of your older folks might remember those. Magazines, newspapers, yeah, and websites, uh, notably Playboy, GQ, Food and Wine, Thrillist, on and on. Most recently, I covered the booze beat for Rob Report. It's a publication known for convincing rich people that they need more luxury yachts. I mean, how else are you going to get to the Catalina wine mixer? The public ferry? No. Fucking Catalina wine mixer. It's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. The fucking Catalina wine mixer. I gave up writing about wine and spirits uh, years ago. Four, to be exact, when I started this podcast. But I still get inundated on the daily with pitches asking me to consider such and such product for my next article or editorial roundup. And mind you, a fair number of these pitches are for things I've never covered in my life. Skincare products, pet hotels, hot couture. You name it, I've been pitched it. It's lazy PR work, for sure. You can't even be bothered to take the time to Google the person they're pitching, know who they are, what they do, if they're still doing what they used to do. Uh, they, don't, they don't bother. Instead, they put the onus on me. It's annoying, but you know, whatever. For the most part, I just delete those emails and I move on. Ah, but every once in a while, something comes across the transom that's just so ridiculous. I, I simply have to engage. To frame it in baseball terms, we are in the we're in the middle of baseball right now. So frame it in baseball terms. These are pitches that don't just barely miss the strike zone. These pitches are in the dirt. Which brings us to our wildly popular segment outside the zone. I want you to throw the next one at the mascot. Why? I'm finally throwing it where I want to throw it. Just throw it at the ball, right? Just a bit outside. Okay, so today I'm going to break down a note a publicist sent me a few weeks ago. I've changed this publicist's name and bleeped out the name of the product. I don't want to get anyone in trouble here, all right? We're just having some fun. But rest assured, this is a real pitch I got with real email exchange to follow. Okay, here we go. Hi, Dan. Are you searching for an insulated water bottle to keep your beverages cool in the summer heat? New eco-friendly water bottle, $29.95, is your new go-to essential for upgrading your hydration game. This biodegradable water bottle is BPA-free, leak-proof, and has double-walled vacuum-sealed insulation to keep your drinks cool, whether you're having a beach day or hiking your favorite trail. Made from sustainable bamboo, 
with a 15 fluid ounce capacity makes drinking water a healthy habit that replenishes and rejuvenates your well-being. Please let us know if you see a fit for the brand in any upcoming roundups or stories. Additional information, samples, and high-res images are available upon request. Thank you, best person I'll call Sally. We'll get to the content of the pitch itself in a moment. But first, I need to tell you, I'm friends with the owner of this PR company where this publicist works. I've known the owner for years, and in fact, recently I traveled with them on a press trip they invited me to participate in. So while I normally would have just ignored this pitch, after all, it's about a water bottle, I decided to do my friend, the owner of the PR firm, a solid, and and offer to check out the water bottle, maybe even give it a mention on this show. A show, I might add, that has a large listenership, a big audience. And for that, I have you to thank. Thank you. Really, thank you. You'll recall that in her pitch, publicist wrote, quote, samples are available upon request. So I wrote back, Sally, it's her made-up name, Sally, if you uh, send along a sample, we will gladly consider for possible inclusion in upcoming Drinks of the Week segment on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, a perennial top 30 show on Apple Podcast Food and Drink Charts. There you go. Sounds like a great deal, right? Shortly thereafter, she replied, Hi, Dan. I appreciate you getting back to me. Exclamation point. By the way, why is it that every publicist under the age of 35 feels it necessary to include at least 30 exclamation points in every email they send out? Come on. Curb your enthusiasm, please. (sighs) Anyway, appreciate you getting back to me. At this time, we're looking for editorial opportunities. However, I will keep you posted if we could make this work. Thank you, exclamation point. Best, exclamation point, Sally, made up name. Wow. So let's unpack that a little. First off, she pitched me. It's important to point that out. From the response, you'd think it was the other way around. Like I hit her up, emailed, trying to score a free water bottle. Let me say that again. A water bottle. Not a 32-year-old single malt scotch or an invitation to taste 100-point wines at some chateau in Burgundy or even a case of Trogues Brewery's Oktoberfest lager, which was just sent to me this morning. Thanks, Trogues. No. Sally pitched me a fucking water bottle and then decided to leave me high and dry when I took her up on the pitch. (sighs) And so I wrote back, Dear Sally, I've been at this a long time, and I've known the owner of your company for going on 20 years now. In fact, I spent an entire weekend with him recently at where we recorded an episode of the podcast that everyone at was apparently thrilled about. Rather than contact your boss directly, going to offer a bit of advice just between me and you. If you pitch someone in the media, say me, and offer to send a sample of whatever it is you're pitching, only to turn around and rescind the offer after apparently determining the exposure I'm offering isn't worth a sample of a water bottle that probably costs $1 to make, well, that's unprofessional. Sensitive types might even find it insulting. After all, it's a water bottle. My show reaches a whole lot of listeners. I thought I would offer to do you and a favor by giving this particular water bottle a plug. I guess no good deed goes unpunished. So next time you want to pitch me or any media person for that matter, I encourage you to take a minute to determine whether it's really the coverage you want for that particular product. This way, nobody's feathers get ruffled. Sincerely, Dan Dunn. I struggled with whether or not to send that email. I don't want to come across as a dick or condescending, or God forbid, like a condescending dick. But something about the way Sally handled the situation just made my booze-infused blood boil. Or at least, you know, simmer a little. First off, besides totally shitting on my podcast by basically saying it's not even worth sending me one of the, oh, I don't know, 500 water bottle samples she's got sitting in her office... She justifies it by saying she's looking for editorial coverage. 
Oh, shit. Why didn't you say so in the first place? I would have pitched the New York Times. Hey, world, there's a new water bottle on the market. That's front page news, right? Seriously, what kind of editorial coverage is she hoping for exactly? A a four-page spread in Hydration Monthly? A think piece in The Atlantic about the dangers of not drinking water? Which, of course, brings me back to the pitch itself. She wrote that this water bottle is the, quote, new go-to essential for upgrading your hydration game. The hell does she mean by upgrade? Have I been drinking water wrong all this time? Is my hydration game basic? She also mentions that the bottle is leak-proof, which I don't think really counts as a selling point. It's like Nike marketing new running shoes as not having holes in the bottom of them. That's expected. Come on. She points out that the bottle has a, quote, 15 fluid ounce capacity, which is highfalutin PR speak for it's a 15 ounce bottle. Oh, and let's not forget the part about how makes drinking water, quote, a healthy habit that replenishes and rejuvenates your well-being, exclamation point, end quote. So drinking water is a habit now, huh? I mean, like, Breathing, eating, maintaining a pulse. One of those kind of habits? Oh, boy. (laughs) Anyway, in closing, my point is this. Next time, just send me the fucking water bottle and be done with it. Okay? Oh, I'm fired up. I need me some Dan Aykroyd in my life to calm me down. (laughs) Come on, Dan. Make this better. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Friends, it's easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. Never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. Look, when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I suggest you give BetterHelp a try. I've been using it for the past year, and it's been tremendous. Lockdown did a number on me. I was feeling pretty low. Then I connected with a BetterHelp therapist, and well, I feel like me again. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WWD today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WWD. Friends, you've probably heard me talk about how much I love fresh Victor cocktail mixers on this podcast and on the Adam Carolla Show. But what you've definitely not heard me do before is sing about how much I dig fresh Victor. Until now. That's right. I wrote and recorded a fresh Victor jingle. Want to hear it? Here it goes. I made my girlfriend Susie a drink with fresh Victor. She gave it a try and she was glad that I picked her. The ingredients are all natural. There's nothing artificial. Their solar-powered juicing plant is totally beneficial. To the planet. Pretty rad tune, right? I was so excited when we finished recording it that I sent it over right away to Fresh Victor's Chief Mixology Officer, H. Joseph Airman. Hello, we are not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. Dan, it's H. I listened to that Fresh Victor jingle that you wrote, created. Wow. Uh, call me. See? He loves it too. Speaking of loving it, does Fresh Victor ever have a great deal for you, my listeners? Simply go to FreshVictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code FVDAN20. That's Fresh Victor Dan 20 to get 20% off your order. Again, I'm talking about pure deliciousness here in a variety of tantalizing flavors at a discounted price. Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market, and that's Fresh Victor. Yes, fish eaters, the days of troublesome scaling, cutting, and gutting are over. Because Super Bassomatic 76 is the tool that lets you use the whole bass with no fish waste without scaling, cutting, or gutting. Here's how it works. Catch a bass, remove the hook, and drop the bass. That's the whole bass into the Super Bassomatic 76. Now adjust the control dial so that that bass is blended just the way you like it. 
Joining me now, the proprietor of Crystal Head Vodka and also an actor of some note, making his return appearance on the show, Mr. Dan Aykroyd. How are you, Dan? Uh, hi, Dan. Um, thanks for the welcome. And I'm glad that you uh, you introduced me as a uh, a spirits manufacturer ahead of the acting. You see that? Because I've gotten much satisfaction out of the industry that we we both love. Here's the big uh, 1.5 oh, skull. If you're, in, if you're in Ibiza or these party zones around the world, Cabo, you know, you'll see it on the bar. They like it. They can pour gallons of it. Now, that brings me to moderation in drinking, and you and I have not a problem with uh, with having beverage alcohol. We can enjoy cocktails. There's some that uh, cannot, and I believe that excess drinking is something that we uh, responsibly in this industry have to address. Now, so with the head there, we're in party bars there, but we don't go down to spring break in, uh, down there in Destin or Corpus Christi or Fort Lauderdale and set up a trailer and and, and give out shots to the youth. This vodka is a premium product. It is made uh, for the premium buyer between 25 and 85 years of old uh, of age. It's almost like you've done this pitch before, Dan. I, I feel like this is uh, this is good. I'm passionate, passionate about. <laughs> you it. are, Truly. man, and you know, and I Truly. I talk about this all the time because here on the show we we are fortunate enough to have uh, you know a number of. Uh, well-known people that have gotten into the spirits game. And you were one of the first. It's been, what, 15 years now since you launched yes, the brand? And it is. How's the journey been? How's it been so well, far? Well, 15, it was very interesting in the beginning. We didn't know what we had. We we, we knew we had this beautiful bottle. We knew we, had, we we knew we had a clean spirit in there, which is, what is the appeal of Crystal Head? Well, the package is wonderful. People buy it for that. But you see, we don't have any glyceride, sugar, or lemonine. In our product, we don't put fusel oils in. I don't know what other celebrity brands put in their fluid, whether they put anything or not. I just know that I'm selling a good, clean fluid, which I was inspired to do by tasting a lot of vodkas and finding they either tasted like uh, Chanel. They smelt like Chanel Number no. Five. They smelt like nothing, and they had the texture of a cat's tongue. And so I said, surely something's better. And I found out a lot of products put fusel oils in there, glycerin. Uh, sugar and uh, and 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 uh, lemonine. Lemonine is a caustic cleanser in its raw form, and glyceride, of course, is a cousin to antifreeze. So that was our inspiration. And we went out there. We didn't know what we had. We made five thousand cases, and in about a week, they were gone. So we made five thousand more, and then we grew the, the business with incredible help from our distributors all around the country and from our importer uh, into uh, a seventy-eight countries now. Uh, I don't know. We've sold, whoa, I would say between 20 and 30 million bottles, if you counted the little ones and all of it, all of it. And we're expensive. As I say, we're a premium because we have a beautiful package. We have a clean fluid. It costs a little more to do that. But the consumer will be stepping up uh, to uh, a vodka that only costs about 45 cents more a shot. Uh, than some of the leading premium brands. So, and By the way, Dan, uh, not to a... cut you off here, you talked about all that. Go, go ahead. You, you had a lot to do with this too. And this is something that I bring up when I talk about the various celebrities that I've had on. Not many of them walk the walk like you do. You've done the work, Dan, to make this happen. And that's a real big part of the success, I think, is that you're legit. You're not somebody who just slapped your name on this and said, here, make me a bunch of money. Uh, correct, correct. Uh, I, I originated the product uh, going clean again on the fusel oils, no, no, uh, no additives at all. Uh, Johnny, my friend, John Alexander, uh, I met when uh, his girlfriend, Rosie Schuster, dumped me for him. And uh, and then we met. Uh, and uh, Johnny and I have been good friends. He's an artist. You can look, Google him up there. Uh, portrait artist, John Alexander, born in Beaumont, Texas. Uh, his work is spectacular. He drew up the skull. I put the clean fluid in it. And uh, with our two other partners, uh, we we started to go to work. And we did work it. Uh, uh, by visiting all of the places that were going to touch this bottle. So I bought a Freightliner tractor, the headmobile, and we put the skull on the side of it. Now, uh, it's like one of those uh, tractors that you see pulling race cars, uh, you know, race car trailer. Now, we didn't have a, a trailer, so this thing flew. It used to do 90 miles an hour. I loved driving it. It was really fun. It looked like a big delivery truck. We went to every distributor, we went to bars, we went to parties, and we consistently worked at doing stunts, 
uh, you know, uh, doing publicity. Uh, and then finally the brand caught traction. And here we are now after many brands have entered, entered, uh, you've got, you know, I won't, I won't mention other, but there's at least six brands there, uh, that entered the market around the time we did, or shortly thereafter, they're all gone because we're the real thing, the real thing because of the fluid in the bottle. The package is beautiful. We have Halloween promotions. We have. Oh man, it's it's such a cool. You know, I've got them. I've got them. I've got the the Pride one you did a couple of years ago. I've it's empty, but I still have the bottle. I've got yep. the Onyx bottle as well. And speaking of that bottle, Dan, I read somewhere. Yeah, yeah, there there it is, right there. I read mm-hmm. somewhere that back in 2010, was it Ontario? Banned? They wouldn't sell because they thought the bottles were what sacrilegious well, a, or something. They were offensive. No, uh, when we first started in Ontario, and Ontario, you know, is the biggest wholesale liquor uh, retailer, uh, I believe, on the planet. I think they're up around seven billion in gross sales. Pennsylvania, around five or six, a little lower than that. So, as an agency uh, proprietor um, with you know, uh, subsidizing all kinds of great things in our beautiful province of Ontario, where I talk to you now from, uh, there is a, uh, there's a, uh, a conservative streak that runs through the province going way back there. So, uh, there was a president, uh, of the, uh, of the LCBO and he thought that it would encourage young people to overdrink. Hmm. Uh, and then cause uh, accidents, you know, well, now there were no statistics to bear that up, but he was concerned because he was, he was concerned about the youth appeal, you see. And again, uh, if you're a youth with, uh, with, you know, between 60 and 80 bottles to spend on our product, I hope that money came from your parents and you're going to drink with them. I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 we, we have no problem there with, uh, we're responsible purveyors, so there was no way that we were going to, uh, you know, uh, do a pitch to youth uh, in our advertising. We never have. Um, so he left, and then the, uh, there were two letters that went out, and one of them was from the Premier of Ontario, of a uh, Premier of Newfoundland, where we make our product. And he sends this letter out to the Ontario uh, appropriate, to the LCBO, and says, hey, hey, hey. We make Crystal Head Vodka here in Newfoundland, and we take your wine from Ontario, and you're not taking the head? You're not taking our product into your stores? No, we don't, you know, we don't like that. We, we might just raise the tariffs in Newfoundland for Ontario wine, see how you like that. That was good pressure that got the head on the shelves in Ontario. And then there was another letter that went out from the Agricultural Association where we grow our corn, our peaches and cream corn. And they're saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ontario government liquor store not listing a Canadian-made Newfoundland product, by the way, which is made with Chatham, Ontario peaches and cream corn. It's made. It, you're making. You know, they're making it with with corn from right here in our region, and you're not putting them on the shelves. So those two letters uh, went out to uh, you know the appropriate authorities, and finally after that we got it. We got it there. But otherwise, we've had no resistance, no problems. I've walked in, uh, you know, and shown people the bottle originally, and you know, people have laughed. They've handled it. They've looked at it. You know, bartenders, you can throw it up in the air like a basketball. This is agave tequila. Agave. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Agave vodka. It's what tequila is made out of. And this is agave vodka. Yeah, yeah. We've never, nobody's ever done it. And that's one of three, right? We well, the Chatham, Ontario peaches and cream, big fat kernel corn, single uh, history farming, not organic, but it's it, that that's the corn that was planted in the 1800s, and it's been there in that strain on those farms for years. We buy that. It it goes into the mash, and then we add Newfoundland water from the aquifer, uh, and that is our corn based uh, vodka. Um, and uh, then we have our wheat, sunset wheat. It comes in a mirror finished bottle. We're, we're changing that now to a cobalt blue bottle, and it will come in uh, in a couple of shades there. Now, that's uh, from Yorkshire, England. It's a, a winter wheat that's grown, and uh, it makes an excellent clear drink. You know, you know, wheat and rye, they use for whiskey. So sometimes you sip that wheat, and you're going, you close your eyes, and it goes down like a, like a whiskey. We have great taste profiles. Then we have, of course, uh, the uh, the third is our agave expression, and that's uh, just with a vodka distillation, which is less heat than the uh, than the tequila distillation process. Our notes, of course, as you know, and you've talked about us before, vanilla, sweet vanilla, dry and crisp. The other one is uh, peppercorn with anise, and this is long earth earthy finish on the uh, on those. So those are from the authorities, uh, and we've gotten ninety plus 
ratings all the way up. Oh, it's it's delicious. I mean, it's it's great. It's great vodka. It really is. I've had fun. I've, I've had such fun going around on that tractor, uh, you know, that tractor coming on, pulling up, um, you know, talking about a product that's good. You have to have quality if you're going to last this long. I mean, we, as I say, six others are gone and uh, we're worldwide and we lasted this long because there is something in the bottle. People want to drink it again. It's quality. Uh, and if you don't have quality, uh, then you, uh, you know, you don't have a product. We're also very green. We make our glass, uh, in places that are environmentally conscious. Well, you talk about where you make it, Dan, you're in Newfoundland. I wanted to ask you this. Yeah. Have you been, uh, screeched in for the, everybody listening out there? There's a, a rum from Newfoundland called screech and, uh, I'll let you take it from there, Dan, what it, what it means to be screeched in. It means to be welcomed by the warm, loving people of Newfoundland and, uh, taken into their hearts. Uh, it means that you better carry a lot of water with you for the next day uh, <laughs> to right. uh, hydrate and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it, of course, Newfoundland, uh, St. John's is, uh, is beautiful. Uh, and it's, uh, up on a cliff and beneath that's this aquifer from the uh, Wisconsin glacier that melted over the planet at that part of the planet that, the 16, 18,000 years ago, it melted. And there's that beautiful ice water sitting underneath the province. The people are warm. You don't see them going down the street, scrolling their tablets or cell phones, you know, uh, you'll see a heterosexual man hold hands sometimes like uh, Ar the Arabs do, which is kind of neat. So we'll go to Newfoundland and we'll hold your hand as, oh, we, as we walk. Uh, yeah, and uh, and they're warm, loving people. And I believe, you know, that, uh, you know, after our distillation process for those profiles, I think there's real love that goes into these bottles. I think the, the line loves working on it. And uh, so the, the love of the province of Newfoundland goes in. Here's the 1.5, the Onyx, Agave. But we, yeah. uh, we, we're leaving out one of the key components of the screeched in is after you do the shot, you have to kiss a cod. Is that correct? A fish. Oh, uh, I think, I, I think, uh, I don't think it's after every shot, but. Uh, it's just one time kissing the fish. I think it's, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's part of it. Yeah. But the thing is the repetition of the shots and the toasts and you have to look everybody in the eye. You know, Canadians like to drink. They like to drink up there. And you mentioned, Can you mentioned Canada and Pennsylvania. So we got it covered, Dan, because I'm from Philadelphia. So, uh, ah, great city. between the two of us, you know, we've got, yeah. well, you made, I mean, one of your most iconic films, uh, made, I used to work on Rittenhouse Square, right? Where, you, you know, uh, well, trading places. That a, yeah. That's a triple A movie. I'm proud of that one. That is, that's, it's yeah. brilliant. I, I was, I was back in Philly recently and we were at Rittenhouse Square scouting a project that we're doing and, I just was like, here it is. This was the scene with Eddie. When the cops come to get him, it was right there yeah. on the square. And I used to work at the uh, Rittenhouse Hotel when I was in college. Um, uh, speaking of well, acting, Dan, I don't know if you're aware of this. I got a little surprise for you. You and I have appeared together in a film. Okay. I don't, know if we, I don't think we touched on this last time you were here, but we co-starred in a short film together. I'm going to show it to you. Hold on. Let's go here. Well, I've done 150 some plus movies in... Sometimes I can't recall all of them. I don't know but, if you can uh, remember this. Can you see this movie? Oh, yeah. This was at, it was a film that was made for Tales of the Cocktail years ago. Oh, right. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. you're the star, but I'm, I make an appearance, and here we go. I, I just cut it. It's a very short uh, snippet of it, but here we go. Sure. Gimmicky. Ooh. Ow. By, by gimmicky, you're saying intriguing, exceptional. Iconic. I mean, you can't be saying gimmicky about my John Alexander-designed Bruni glass-fabricated tribute to the 13 Crystal Heads. Oh, not a drop for you, then. Hey, what the... And, uh... Oh, hey, guys. Hey, we can get you out of here. Huh? You want to go to Spirit Awards? I'm good. Yes, yes. All right, Dan. I want I want the critique of my acting right there. <laughs> uh, it, it's not too difficult. Uh, I can point you to a few books that I recommend for actors. I'm sure you've got it right there already. It's a point of pride for me, man. I've starred in a movie with you, co-starred with you. Well, I, you're a natural, natural <laughs> entertainer, performer. I think, you know, I could see you playing a young cop or a lawyer or a <laughs> rabbi or, uh, you know... Uh, you're too kind. You know, you've got a very, you've got a very uh, uh, let's say, versatile look. 
Thank and you, And of sir. course, there, when people ask me about acting, you know, I'm going into acting, and I, I, I recommend uh, John Lithgow's book, Drama. That is an amazing book about acting. And uh, Steve Martin's book, Troubadour. Oh, is also uh, and born standing up. Born standing up is one of. It's such an. That's an. This is everybody out there listening. This is Steve's uh, chronicle of his time as a stand-up comedian, and it truly is one of the most remarkable stories because he was the biggest comedy star, and you obviously you're friends with him, and you you knew him from SNL, and you. There'd be no Blues Brothers without him. Go ahead. He was the biggest comedy star in the world selling out arenas and no one was doing that at that time and he was doing i think it was i hope i don't screw this up but i think it was uh long island at nassau coliseum he had like five shows and he writes in the book that he had told himself this is it when i finish this last show i'm not doing stand-up comedy anymore i'm moving on to and he never did right he finished mm. walked off the stage in front of twenty thousand people and I think he did a. Did he do any more yeah, after that? I well, at, uh, what year was that? Now I was in the late seventies. Okay, well, I know he did uh, the Universal Amphitheater in nineteen seventy eight uh, because he hired the Blues Brothers to open for that show. Those two shows that he did there. Wow. Or yeah, at least two. So there would be no Blues Brothers without Steve Martin. We recorded our first record. Uh, briefcase full of blues john took a salary from animal house back to truck up and we recorded that incredible band that that uh over those two nights and steve said come and open for me because we met from saturday night live and he was basically almost like an extended cast member so his generosity in having us open he didn't need anybody to open for him he was selling these places out uh he did it and uh we did our show and he came on and of course killed and ripped the roof off the place, the non-existent roof, because it was open then, the amphitheater, the universal amphitheater, if, you, if you'll remember. And uh, so, there, you know, I have him to thank for the fun that I've had over the years playing with John and then now with Jimmy, doing the records and the two movies. You know, it's all uh, really Steve is, is uh, an extent. Is, he's a blues brother. By oh, and an incredible musician in his own right. I mean, one right, world-class yeah. banjo player, right? He's World so player. intelligent. He's so smart. Um He's a real, truly uh, wonderful, intelligent spirit, and uh, I love him dearly, as, as anyone who knows him does, of course. That's amazing. Yeah, now, while yeah. digging around, Dan, on the internet, as one does when you're preparing for these interviews, sure. that's a little tip out there for all you fledgling podcasters. Do some research. So while digging around on the internet, I discovered that you've, you know, you've played numerous characters that many, many people have gotten tattoos of. So I'm wondering, how does that make you feel knowing that these parts, these roles that you've played mean so much to people that they would have them permanently etched onto their bodies? That's got to be a real head trip. There are a few, uh, I would say, uh, you know, there's a few of us uh, that are well-known actors that have been in things that the world saw, I guess you could put it that way, fellow actors of mine that that have this uh, phenomenon. Uh, you know, I think there's, uh, there's tattoos of Hanks, of Willis, of Murray, uh, various moments in movies, uh, you know, and I think it's, uh, it speaks to the power of, uh, of entertainment if it's done well and, uh, hits people, uh, you know, where we want them to with real deep, uh, impact into their spirit and souls. Uh, I guess like Barbie's doing now at almost a billion and a half dollars box office. So crazy. Wherever you've got the soul being uh, being connected uh, to the entertainment there, uh, that's that that's strong, and uh, that's what we, we of course we always we always hope for. Have you seen any memorable tattoos? Fans come up and go, "Oh, look at this, Ghostbusters!" Or I've seen. Uh, well, the one with me uh, there, it's the character race dance uh, with the cigarette in the hallway in the in the hall, and uh, I open my mouth when the Slimer becomes uh, materializes, and I uh, and the cigarette stays there on the lip. Now that that was not glue; that really just happened. It's one of those great moments that just happened. Somehow, Incredible! I don't know. I wasn't even trying for that. I've seen that on a lot of people. I've seen Mister Stay Puffed. Uh, on a lot of people, the manifestation of the uh, second manifestation of Gozer. Uh, and uh, 
it, well, it all came from my great grandfather's work, you know. Uh, that's why we wrote the thing, uh, and why we did it, because he was a Edwardian spiritualist, and we we believe, that, you know, a lot. I I will never dispute anybody's religion and sit down and say, "Oh, well, your beliefs are ridiculous." You know, Catholic Church, the Virgin Mary, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the the plates and the spectacles in the in the Mormon tradition, uh, you know, Muhammad flying to uh, Mecca. People uh, in four hours uh, on his horse uh, and named Barak, uh, you know, uh, Scientology, you know, the planet was evacuated by Boeing 707s, uh, you know, uh, millions of years ago, according to L. Ron Hubbard and the people who believe that. I, I want people to embrace their beliefs. And so I, I can't sit here and call anybody out on beliefs when I believe myself that not only does the soul survive after our demise, but the uh, personality of the person can survive and reach back with proper mediumship seances. You go to Lily Delcab, New York, they're near Chautauqua in the summer, and they're licensed seance uh, providers. And you go in and connect with uh, those who've gone before. And uh, I firmly believe it. And my family was researching it and had seances in the old farmhouse here, uh, where I am here in Ontario. And uh, that's where Ghostbusters came from. Just my my family's interested in. I know? would agree with so, you, Dan, on yeah. not judging. I will say this: where where it yeah. becomes where religion becomes a problem for me, and I was raised Catholic, uh, mm-hmm. not practicing anymore, but is when people try to use religion as a cudgel, as a or as a means of control, or trying to bring you around to ideas that maybe you don't want to embrace. And you know, mm-hmm. but that's uh, it's a subject for another time. Maybe we have to get some vodka in us first before we. Uh... <laughs> no, yeah, before you talk religion and politics, you definitely should have a drink. Yeah, everything in moderation. You know, five adults. Five, you buy one of these uh, seven fifty. Five adults. Five adults. That's, that's reasonable. Sit down and and you can polish, but not don't do it alone. Because then you've got a problem. But you sit down with five adults, you taste a beautiful earthy finish on that, and uh, you know you'll be you'll be making more cocktails. I love. All right, speaking of cocktails, I want to ask you. There's a little science we're going to go here, Dan. I'm going to ask you a couple of the following vodka-based cocktails. You tell me which one you prefer. Prefer, and we're going to get around and figure out. Okay, first up, we're going to go White Russian or Moscow Mule. Oh, White Russian. Okay, White Russian takes that. All right. My dad loved them. Screwdriver. Or a Cape Cotter? Uh, screwdriver with tangelo juice or clementine juice, slowly infused, as if you're pouring an egg in there, the egg yolk, you know, slowly infused into an ounce, or three ounces of the vodka on ice. The, the best citrus, hand-squeezed, makes a good screwdriver, yeah. All right. So we got we got the White Russian, the screwdriver, the Bloody Mary, or the Espresso Martini? No, boy. Well, I would... Uh, people are are raving about how our wheat uh, makes a great Bloody Mary, so I'll go with that. The the wheat vodka, the sunset wheat, very spicy, uh, and uh, it makes a great Bloody Mary, so I'll go with that. And finally, the vodka martini or the cosmopolitan? Oh, I think a straight-up vodka martini, the, the Long Island Railroad bar car martini that you could get in 1954 on your way into Madison Avenue on the Long Island Railroad train. With all your colleagues sitting around uh, their Wall Street journals folded into a single column uh, as they made their way into work on Madison Avenue or Wall Street uh, and riding the train in, a white glove steward would offer you a martini at 10 in the morning. You could get one at 10 in the morning. Sounds delightful. I mean, they don't do it anymore. Uh, It it doesn't. And I would have it that way. In a rock glass, uh, two, three ounces of the uh, vodka of your choice, uh, shaken, please, with ice chips uh, to remain in the in the glass there, and uh, with a twist, probably a twist, because uh, on the train, olives may be a little awkward. The Long Island Railroad Bar Car Martini. Yeah. Okay. Of the four drinks that you chose, White Russian, Screwdriver, Bloody Mary, yeah. Vodka Martini, you get to have one. What is it? The last the la- the last one, the, the Bar vodka Car. Mar- that was the one I, I, I was sensing the passion for that. Yeah, I could, uh, Essentially, well, through, especially yeah. with... Especially with this this clean fluid I'm making, if it was made with Crystal Head, uh, you course. know, then there's no over viscosity uh, uh, because of the lemonine they put in. Um, it's uh, you you get the vanilla notes because we don't over distill it, and uh, it just is. It, I'm telling you, it's it, it, in a martini glass, like up with ice chips uh, and a twist. It's very dangerous because it drinks like water. Which and vodka is an old Russian word for water, of course, as you That's know, correct. a little water. 
And uh, so it drinks like water. And uh, I have to be very careful now when I'm out with friends and they say, oh, I'll have another, I'll have a third one of those. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, it's very, very, very smooth uh, and uh, so clean tasting uh, that you don't think you're drinking alcohol at all. And that's just straight up with ice chips and a twist. Uh, just the, just the, uh, the, just the beverage from the bottle itself with no additives, uh, nothing put in it. What is retail on a 750? Oh, it's around uh, between 50 and 60 bucks. Depends, depends where you are. Steel. It's a steal, I say, Dan. For what you're getting, it is. Yes, for what you're getting, for, for what you're for what you're getting, it is. Uh, and and by the way, you're only you're only it's only costing you between like 45, 50 cents more per drink uh, than some of the uh, the the brands that are up close to us in price and some of the leading leading brands. Um, it's only it's nice, you know to step up to Crystal Head and uh, and treat your friends and family. Uh, it's not that more expensive. We have a Halloween program coming out. Of course, we love doing Friday the 13th, and we love doing full moon parties we promote with bars. Uh, we've got a big uh, promotion coming up with some of the chains there. Uh, then they do, at Halloween, uh, they do uh, uh, decorations. They make part of their store dedicated to the skull. Amazing. And so, we, we uh, yeah, we help them with that. And uh, that's it's it's so much fun. And then uh, the... the the winner, the winner gets to, gets me for a pizza party, so I'll go and. Oh, I'm getting in on that then. I want to have pizza election. with you. Yeah. I'm getting a notice here that we got to let you go pretty soon, Dan. I want a couple questions I put out to my the fans here sure. that wrote in. They, they wanted to ask you a couple questions. So, uh, right on. At Emmy, like Hemi wants to know, uh, how did the Herkimer Diamond filtering come about, and how does that work? Uh, well, uh, yeah, the Herkimer uh, semi precious stones are. are have have been used in spirits manufacture for for years okay. in fact and uh when i found that out uh we we didn't anticipate doing it we, we we just do our carbon filter filtration seven times um and and then i and then the the distiller said well would you like to, to run it over diamonds i said well what's that do to it well he said these are the little crystals they're they're uh, double-ended crystals from herkimer new york in upstate new york named for general herkimer who died at the foot of a tree up there a revolutionary war hero Herkimer diamonds are found in the ground about three to four inches below the ground, not like a Kimberlite diamond where you have to dig a, a hole and then make a, a mine five miles wide by five miles deep. These are semi-precious stones that come in all different colors. We chose the clear ones that you can go into the fields of, uh, of Herkimer County and pick them out of the fields. Farmers rent squares and you go and gather as many of these gems as you want. So we took the white ones. I said, what's it do? We said, well, you know, we, we we do taste tests with some of our products, and and it looks good coming out of the, the pour, and people seem to like it. It poured over the diamonds, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, any chemistry teacher that's saying, you know, you're pouring C2H506 over a, a hardened crystal, that's not going to do anything. But after even after we're running completely pure with our, our uh, on the spectrograph with our filtration, those stones need to be replaced every six or seven months because they are getting yellow we're pulling something at the last second of that filtration process out of there to make it super super pure and um we do test it with and without the stones we we did originally and people like it when it's poured over the diamonds so it's delicious it was the distiller yeah. suggestion yeah I, I i got it from him it was not my inspiration however i like the tie-in it kind of ties up ties up the kind of psychic supernatural otherworldly bow because herkimer county's near rome air school air force base and they scrambled a lot of planes against uh you know unidentified objects up there over the years and uh you know i can imagine one of these uh alien delta ships coming down and scanning the ground there you know just as a tourist and then seeing these diamonds and and semi-precious it would be a tourist attraction for an alien vessel, this this whole field. And they, they, they only appear there in, in Oaxaca, Mexico, and somewhere in Afghanistan. So they're a geographical anomaly and um, that uh, that may be attracting uh, okay. extraterrestrial visitors. So I thought that was great. Okay, great. Herkimer, okay. Ties in with my uh, with my belief in, uh, in uh, the existence of hyper-advanced uh, craft that we don't control see dan i i need i need i need like another two hours with you this is not fair i i, I but we'll do one i got another one my my friend at bald brian said to ask you that we're going back a long way here ask you about your curious decision to do a jimmy carter impersonation without shaving off your mustache <laughs> well i did i did nick i did nixon i see i didn't 
I, I was at SNL, but I thought to myself, I don't know if this is really going to work, even after, I, I guess, uh, two years almost. Is this really going to work? I, you know, because I might have to go to my back to my civilian uh, life, and I want a mustache for my civilian life. I, I did so. <laughs> I shaved it off in 1977. I think that was when I shaved it off. But I did Nixon with it on. I mean, I'm thinking back and going, what? The, what, what, what hold on. What, what, what's I thinking? Why? Why did I do that? Why? Why did? Why didn't I shave it off? Make the impression. But I, I really was sort of my half. I was half in to being on that show, and then half into thinking this is not going to last. I'm, I'm going to have to go home. And I, I want I want that mustache when I go back to Canada. So the stash went out. It did until 77 when I dropped some acid with my friend, John DeVicus, who designed all of the Ghostbusters, the Ecto, the Stay Puft. The, we did uh we did a little uh, uh, LSD, which is now coming back into favor in a clinical sense. Uh, you've got oh, yeah. public companies are being floated for it. So we did some orange barrel or something and walked around and well, you know, I went in for a photo session that morning after that uh, nice uh, sort of psychedelic trip. And I told the lady at the makeup, I said, take it off. So the mustache came off. And in 77, you can see me in the jean jacket, smiling, uh, you know, and that's, that's after a, a, a psychedelic night. Don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. Though. No, 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 none of us no, do, no. unless you got some. Anyway, it was such a blast yesterday, Dan. I went down, I was watching all the old videos. And I guess the final thing I want to say is I was watching your Julia Child uh, which, uh, which, by the way, spawned so many. Uh, it spawned so many memorable sketches on the show that it involved a lot of blood. Uh, the French Chef. But what I found incredible about you, Dan, is you never broke. I couldn't find uh-huh. a single clip where you broke, and that's become such a staple. How did you do it? Like, because I was watching one of the sketches you did the uh, the toy maker. Um, uh, Irwin Mainway with mm-hmm. with uh, Candace Bergen, and she starts to break when you're talking about the bag of glass. Right, it was yeah. one of the gifts. And uh, how did you how did you keep from breaking? Uh, well, you know, uh, I guess uh, just a professional uh, streak uh, and a commitment to the character, and really believing you're in the moment and all that stuff. I remember Frank Zappa broke up quite a bit. Walter Matthau was not a good host. He got flummoxed by, I think, how dynamic our cast was. I love Walter, but he didn't do the show well. Um, uh, Let me see. Jimmy Fallon and Horatio Sands used to break up a lot, but those guys are so adorable. You go, you know. Bill Hader would break a lot, too. Yeah. Well, so you, you love those guys. You go, oh, well, you know what? Their work is so superior, so great, and they're so lovable. Ah, we'll we'll let them let them let it slide. But uh, but you you but never I, did. I know, I know Lauren Lauren doesn't really like it. I, I think he likes the the through the professional through line and commitment. <clears throat> last question about Irwin. Uh, last question. Period. Irwin Mainway. There was a doll that you had, and the doll when you pressed the head, two knives came out. It was an actual doll. Do you remember what the doll was? Um, I don't remember what it was called. There were two Irwin Mainway or three sketches. I'm not sure. It was uh, Fonzie. <laughs> the oh, doll was a Fonzie doll. But anyway, I'm oh, getting a note. I gotta let you go here. Uh Dan Aykroyd, man, I can't wait to have you. Next time we're doing this in person, Dan. We absolutely are. Hey, I, I, yeah, did yeah. you ever go to the House of Blues on Sunset Strip? Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, don't you miss that? The Dan foundation is. room up there oh, was so fun. I well, I went to the writ down in New Orleans too. Uh, yeah, well, that's a bunch of times. Great. Yeah, and uh, but that was your thing, and that's we an, should meet at a House of Blues sometime soon. You know, maybe San Diego. I would yeah. love to do that, Dan, and and uh, everybody out there, Crystal Head. We can't talk about anything you're doing in show business now because you're on strike and you're not allowed to talk about that stuff. And I got to let you go, uh, Dan. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, man. Be well there. Be well. Be careful, eh? Witches, warlocks, conjurers, sorcerers, black magicians, white magicians. Are you having trouble mixing your potions in time for the winter solstice? Is your sorcery getting hung up because of the hours you spend mixing and blending your remedies? Then you need Ravko's amazing new witch's aid, the Super Batomatic 77. You never have to use mortar, pestle, or cauldron again. Super Batomatic cuts, chops, slices, dices, mixes, and blends herbs, plants, twigs, sprigs, leaves, branches, claws, teeth, eyes, ears, skin, hair, blood, flies, insects, limbs, and organs of all kinds, toads, lizards, newts, mice, rats and bass faster than you can knife a goat. You know, my favorite rabbits of all time are Bugs Bunny, Thumper from Bambi, Roger, Peter, the White Rabbit from Alice in Wonderland, and of course, Velveteen. In case you're wondering, no, I don't like the Energizer Bunny. 
Not one bit. It's all amped up and banging that goddamn drum all the time. Don't keep going and going and going, Energizer Bunny, please. Just stop. But I digress. For as much pleasure as my favorite rabbits have provided me over the years, none has made me as happy, and by happy I mean tipsy, as Rabbit Hole. Yeah, that's what's up, Doc. Rabbit Hole's bourbon and rye recipes are totally unique, and they were created by their founder, my friend Kaveh Zamanian, who spares no expense in making great whiskey. Kaveh and his team have their own cooking methods and use top-of-the-line grains. They never chill filter. They use barrels that are toasted, charred, and wood-fired, which nobody does. Nobody, except Rabbit Hole. What you end up with is a line of bourbon and rye with these really rich, deep flavors that are unlike anything you've ever tasted. With all due respect to the famous rabbits that hold a special place in my heart, I'm here to tell you unequivocally that none of them get me hopped up. See what I did there? Like Rabbit Hole does. It's my go-to American whiskey. And you know what? You should make it yours. And that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank the great Dan Aykroyd for being here. And, uh... I want to thank you, of course. I know you've got a lot of options. There are many, many podcasts out there, and you chose to hang out with me on this one. You're all right. Seriously. Next week on the show, we're going to be doing some whiskey tasting from the Melrose Umbrella Company, one of my favorite bars in West Hollywood. We're going to be doing that with comedian Tom Caltabiano and our old friend George Gallo. Famed screenwriter George Gallo wrote Midnight Run. That's next week. Until then, I'll, uh, I'll leave you with a joke. Let's go out with a joke. Uh, an old man is driving, and he gets stopped by the police at 2 a.m. The cop asks him where he's going at such a late hour. And the man says, I'm on my way to a lecture about alcohol abuse and the effects it has on the human body, as well as smoking and staying out late. The officer says, really? Who's giving that lecture at this time of night? The man replies, oh, that would be my wife. <laughs>